Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 14. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who have been made holy. Thank you for reading and welcome um, to our, our third in this series, or oh, not this series, the end of this series, the third I'm doing, and um, thank you for coming back if you have. I don't know if you've read the, uh, the novel, The Kite Runner, popular a while ago. It starts, the very book starts with these words. I became what I am today at the age of 12. I remember the moment peeking into the alley near the frozen creek. That was a long time ago. But it's wrong what they say about the past, how you can bury it, because the past claws its way out. I realise I've been looking into that alley for the last 26 years. He then talks about what he did or didn't do on that day, how he didn't help his friend and protect him, and how he then deals or doesn't deal with the guilt and the shame that, that comes from that for the rest of his life. Guilt and, and shame are big issues in, in literature, um, in film, in art, because they're big issues in life, aren't they? Um, they can be personally crippling, 
um, relationally isolating, spiritually devastating. Guilt and shame are often um, sort of used interchangeably. They're, sli- they're slightly different. Guilt is really focused on your behaviour. It's about doing something wrong. Shame is more focused on how you sort of feel about yourself or, or how others see you. So guilt says, I've done something bad. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I should be punished. Shame says, I should be rejected. And the question is, how do we deal with guilt and shame as they're real and serious issues? There are lots of options around today I'm not going to kind of go into for lack of time. But you won't be surprised, I'm going to suggest that the only real answer comes in Jesus' death. We thought last week how Jesus was a real substitute, he offered a real sacrifice, he entered the real sanctuary, and so he has dealt with our wrong completely. Now this week we're going to focus on what that looks like for us personally. Um, If we've put our trust in Jesus, what does this mean for us day to day on the ground? And if you're someone who hasn't put their trust in Jesus, then, then listen along and see what's on offer. Last week we got a contrast between the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus' sacrifice. And we get the same again this week, only not quite quite the same, a contrast between their effects on us, what they do for us. And first of all we're told that animal sacrifices reminded people of their sin. So chapter 10 and verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We said last week the animal wasn't a real substitute. It couldn't really take your place. So it can't really take your sin. In fact, verse 3, they end up reminding you, an annual reminder of your sin. I imagine um, some of us are are perhaps renting a place um, to live at the moment, or we we have done in the past. We're renting a room or a flat. Um, Imagine when, when rent day comes, you don't have the money to pay. Um, might not be that hard to imagine that actually but if your landlord comes round let's say it's old school and says rent please and you say I'm sorry I don't have any money can I write you an IOU for whatever reason they accept and so you write IOU £700, £1000, whatever it is next month comes round same happens again IOU £700 In fact, every month, IOU, £700. IOU, IOU. How do you feel about paying your rent? Well, at one level, you you sort of pay it, don't you? Well, you're not paying it, but but you have an arrangement in place that keeps things going. You're still living in, in the room. But at another level, as you write out IOU, £700, you think that's more I owe. 
I owe you 700 pounds. More I owe. More I owe. Because the IOU isn't paying anything. In fact, it's just reminding you of how much you owe. Well, the Old Testament sacrifices were a bit like an IOU. They didn't actually pay for sin. They kill an animal, they sacrifice it, offer it to God, and another, and another, and another. It, it kind of worked. It was, a, it was a system which kept the relationship with God going. But it didn't really take away their sin. So what it did was reminded them of how much they owed. And so, verse 2, they weren't cleansed, they still felt guilty. We saw last week that Jesus did what the animals pictured. He actually deals with our sin. Uh, Our rent has been completely paid, if you like. Uh, Past rent, future rent. He's bought the house. Rent is done with. It's all over. In Jesus' death, our sin, our wrong, is done with. It's taken away. Now, what effect does that have on us on on the ground? Two things. Jesus' sacrifice cleanses our conscience, the answer to guilt. Back in in chapter 9, it's not an excuse, I'm afraid. Back in chapter 9, we're told the Old Testament sacrifices made you clean outwardly, but, verse 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. Jesus offered himself unblemished, perfect substitute, perfect sacrifice. His blood actually takes away our sin, and so he cleanses our conscience from guilt. I mentioned, I mentioned renting a flat. Uh, when you rent, um, I think it's fair to say you don't tend to look after a place quite that much. You spill a bit of coffee and while the carpet was brown already as you rub it in a bit, that sort of thing. But when you buy your own place um, and you get your own furniture, um, it all changes. You've now got a beautiful cream sofa and then you spill some red wine. Now it's a disaster. You run to the kitchen, you get a cloth, you rub it, it won't move, it won't shift. It's probably um, now, at this point, for the first time in your life, you've become interested in specialised household cleaning products. Uh, You're in Sainsbury's and you see stain devils. And you think, oh, stain removes tea, fruit juice. Um, I need this. Is there one of these for red wine? Or maybe you see an advert on the TV. Someone who's bought a magic cleaning product. You see it working in the kind of video, and they apply it to the dirt, and it just disappears, and it's left perfect. You think, I want that for red wine. Well, in our writer's mind, in the Bible's mind, Jesus' blood, or blood, is a cleansing agent. But the blood of animals only cleans on the outside. But Jesus' blood, the blood of a real substitute and a real sacrifice, that is a sin remover. Apply Jesus' blood to a conscience 
and it wipes away all the wrong. There's no struggle. There aren't any bits you can't move. You don't even have to rub hard because the power is in the blood. It is the most powerful cleansing agent in the world. It can clean your conscience of guilt. I started with that quote from the kite runner, you can't bury the past, it claws its way out. I've been looking into that alley for the last 26 years. It might be you found that for yourself. There are things in your past you can't bury. They keep reappearing in your heart and mind and trouble you. It's a stain on your conscience. You can't shift. But if you trust in Jesus, his blood is poured onto your conscience. And it's like in the adverts, it's washed away completely. The power is in the blood of a perfect sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice cleanses our conscience, the answer to guilt. Secondly, Jesus' sacrifice means we're perfectly accepted by God, the answer to shame. I don't know if you noticed that the language of perfection comes up a few times um, in this chapter. So chapter 10, verse 1, the same sacrifice is repeated year after year. can't make perfect those who draw near to worship. Or at the end of of our reading, verse 14, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now when we read perfect, it's easy and natural to think of 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 morally perfect. But actually, the word here, um, it's being used about, or is connected with, having a kind of vocation or, or, or a role. And being made perfect means you do the role perfectly. So, for instance, back in chapter 5 of Hebrews, um, Jesus, we're told, was made perfect. But that can't mean morally perfect. He was always morally perfect. Rather, it's talking about his role. Uh, The verse goes on, he was made perfect and became the source of eternal salvation. That's his role, his role of saviour, and he became perfect in that role of offering salvation. Now, what about us? What's our role here? Well, chapter 10, verse 1, talks about being make, making perfect those who draw near to God, draw near to worship him. So the role is, is coming to God, knowing him, worshipping him, serving him, loving him, praising him, and living for him. The Old Testament sacrifices could never perfect you in that role. But verse 14, he has made us perfect forever. We're not perfect in what we do, but we're made perfect in the sense that Jesus has made us perfectly able to know God and be accepted by him, and know him and live for him. The the big conclusion of these these chapters comes in chapter 10, verse, verse 19. A big therefore after all his argument. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near. Now the Jew heard that, I think they'd probably just fall off their chair. The most holy place, that, that's the centre of the temple, that's, that's God's presence. No one goes in there, only the high priest and only once a year. 
And now you're saying we can enter there with confidence, with certainty, with assurance. Yes. Because of a perfect sacrifice, we can be confident he accepts us. He welcomes us. His arms are open to us. He wants to know us. So here is the answer to shame. Remember I said shame was about how you felt about yourself, how others felt about you. I'm, 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 I'm dirty, I'm unacceptable, I'm rejected, I hide away. It doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus looks at you and sees it all. And in Je- uh, God looks at us and sees, sees it all. And in Jesus, he welcomes us with open arms. We are, perfect, we are made perfectly able to draw near and know him. Jesus cleanses our conscience, the answer to guilt. Jesus makes us perfectly acceptable to God, the answer to shame. Please, please hear this. Please hear this is what God says is on offer in Jesus. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what your parents told you. It doesn't matter what your boss says about you. It doesn't matter what your friends or your enemies say. It doesn't even matter what you say to yourself. There is a louder voice, a more important voice, a more fundamental voice, a truer voice. And he says, your guilt is gone, your shame is dealt with, you are cleansed and you are accepted. And it's all because of your wonderful great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. We praise you for his priestly work for us. We praise you for his sacrifice. We praise you for his cleansing. We praise you for his making us perfect in your sight. And we pray that us individually, each person here in this room, we might grasp these things, we might know these things, we might feel these things, and we might live in these things. And we pray it for your glory's sake. Amen.